Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. A factual data creation facility production. Welcome to the OFNT Podcast, episode 192, which I'm calling For Ranting Out Loud. I'm glad you made it back. If you feel like it, click that donation link in the show notes. If you don't feel like it, at least listen to the ads all the way through. You can also spread the word about the OFNT Podcast. Perhaps I'll pick up a listener or two. How was your week? Mine went fast and I didn't seem to accomplish anything. In other words, a normal week. This coming Thursday, it's Thanksgiving here in the United States, and I plan on eating turkey until I'm comatose. Aw, yeah. Okay, I hear you. Let's get to the meat and potatoes. Shall we? Yes. Tech news. Kind of dry regarding tech news this week, but there was plenty of Apple news. Well, actually, mostly Apple rumors. So I figured I'd get that out of the way. First up, Tech Radar has the headline, Apple could launch a bigger iPad before its OLED iPad Pros next year. Yep, that old rumor of a 12.9-inch iPad Air seems to be gaining strength, especially after the rumored new Pro iPad's obscenely high prices were leaked. This large iPad Air, as well as the 10.9-inch model, will supposedly have upgraded screen technology and be powered with the just-released M3 chip. I'd be interested in the 12.9-inch model because I mainly use my current 11-inch Pro for content consumption, web browsing, and light word processing. I don't use any of the so-called Pro features, and my old fart eyes really can't tell much of a difference between the Pro's higher refresh rate or a ProMotion screen compared to my wife's base model iPad 10th generation. In fact, I kind of prefer the screen on that model compared to my much more expensive Pro. We'll just have to see how much this 12.9-inch Air will set me back. With a magic keyboard attachment, that is. Many Apple-centric YouTube channels have been reporting that the giant fruit company may release an updated iPhone SE sometime in 2025. This rumored model will be powered by either an A16 or 17 chip and feature an upgraded camera, face ID, and a 6.1-inch OLED screen. What? The larger size of the phone would also allow a larger battery, which would address the biggest complaint about the current SE, and that would be its battery life. The new SE could also feature the new action button, which I find pretty useless on my current iPhone 15 Pro Max. The price is said to be $479 for this unit. The sad part of this is that those who prefer a smaller form factor have no place to go after the discontinuation of the iPhone mini. My son is amongst those who'd rather have that smaller size, so I don't know what he'll do when it's time to upgrade his current SE. 
If these update rumors turn out to be true, I predict that this phone will be a runaway bestseller. I know of a couple of family members that currently use older iPhone models and would snap up a phone equipped like this at that price. Apple has announced that the company will start supporting RCS, which stands for Rich Communication Services, on all their devices by late 2024, which would nicely coincide with the release of iOS 18. RCS is an upgraded text messaging platform that takes the place of standard text messages and is used by Android. RCS boasts most of the features of Apple's iMessage, things like read receipts, typing indicator, Wi-Fi functionality, and the ability to send messages with visual effects. Messages sent via RCS are also end-to-end encrypted. Well, at least Google's implementation of the RCS standard anyway. Google had launched an ad campaign and actually is suing Apple in Europe, claiming that iMessage should be categorized as a core function. The problem with the latter is that Apple would have to dramatically increase its server capacity in order to host iMessage for users no matter what operating system you're using, and I don't believe it's right to force them to have to do so. Google is just being kind of a bully here, and that's probably due to the company's own numerous messaging service failures. Anyhow, pressure is pressure, so Apple must have seen the writing on the wall and surmised that the EU would have taken some sort of action against them, so they nipped it in the bud, so to speak. I've used RCS some years ago when I still rocked a Pixel 3 back in what I fondly recall being called the day. My son was also using an Android phone at the time, and RCS worked just fine between us. Will this RCS support affect Apple's bottom line? Well, time will tell. I'll enjoy having RCS support on my Apple devices because it's more secure for those times I'm communicating with the very few people within my circle who aren't within the Apple walled garden ecosystem. Oh, just because iMessage and RCS are encrypted, don't believe for a second that your data is completely private. Apple, Google, and all other entities will store it on their servers and will give it up to authorities if presented with a warrant to do so. Same goes with high-security messenger services such as Signal. The only secure messenger app I've found is Threema, which is based in Switzerland and maintains their servers in that country. Threema doesn't maintain any of your data and is not subject to the laws of any country except their own countries, which is more privacy-friendly than most, if not all other, countries. The app is full-featured and charges a one-time fee. It's not subscription-based. I paid $3.99 when I bought it many years ago, and I'm not sure of what they charge nowadays. Well, I stopped using Threema because the few co-workers that also used it moved on, so there wasn't any point in continuing to use it. Well, i got some good news here. When Google hosted their Pixel event, it was thought that the popular, somewhat stripped-down A-series of Pixel phones, known for their bang-for-the-buck, were thought to have been discontinued. The A-series featured most of the high-end features of their most expensive siblings, but cut corners in order to trim that price down. Those cut corners were a plastic versus metal build, a lower quality screen, you know, etc. My son's last Android phone was a Pixel 6a and he enjoyed it, but like many Android phones he'd owned before that, it slowed down and developed hiccups as time wore on. This led him to switch to an iPhone. Huh? According to, again, Tech Radar, a Pixel 8a dummy unit has leaked, and that was probably from an accessory manufacturer. This dummy unit shows a more rounded edge design than its predecessor, which is in line with the new Pixel 8 and 8 Pro. A 6.2-inch screen, a punch hole camera in front, and a dual-lens camera round back. 
The bezels seem awfully large, though, which I've never minded, but there are many who do. Based on leaked benchmarks, the Pixel 8a will be powered by Google's own Tensor G3 chip, though it appears to have been underclocked. In the past, the A-series Pixel's CPUs were on par with the more expensive Pixels in the lineup. Anyway, it's good to have options, especially bargain ones. No estimated price was given, but you know the Pixel 8a will be cheaper than the rumored updated iPhone SE. Hey, are you in need of a new car but don't want to deal with those pesky salespeople? Have you decided that your next car will be manufactured by Hyundai? Are you also an avid shopper of things offered on Amazon? Well, if you answered yes to all those questions, you're in luck because you can now purchase a Hyundai-branded automobile directly from Amazon.com. What? I guess if you're a Prime member, you'll be able to take delivery of that vehicle within two days. Yep, Amazon and Hyundai announced a partnership last week that will let you purchase a Hyundai vehicle right from the comfort of your own home. Wow. Who didn't see that coming? I wonder, though, if the vehicles that will be available for purchase on Amazon will be limited to those rolling spy machines with a propensity to catch fire, better known as electric vehicles. Yes. Amazon.com to cut several hundred Alexa jobs is the headline from Reuters. This cut in employees comes after a previous Reuters report from back in September that stated that morale within Amazon's unit was low over concerns over a weak product pipeline especially within the Alexa voice assistant division. Though nearly a decade old, Amazon's digital assistant hasn't kept up with its younger rivals. Amazon claims that the job cuts within that particular unit were caused by the company's shifting business priorities with a greater focus on, and wait for it, generative artificial intelligence. Well, of course that would be the case. Amazon had already announced that its digital assistant would be shifting to relying on AI and had a demo, which featured a host interacting with Alexa by having a full-blown conversation versus just asking questions. That announcement was back in September, so I'd hope that these employees that will lose their jobs saw this coming and made some sort of preparations. No. As I've said before, I was amongst those who were offered an Echo before the official launch back in 2014 and have been using them ever since. Alexa was my first experience with a digital assistant and remains my current choice of one. I can't wait until I can have a full-blown conversation with it. <laughs> Later on, I did use Microsoft's Cortana, which was way ahead of its time, but we all know what happened to that digital assistant. I use the Aura Smart Ring mostly for sleep tracking. I moved to Aura from the now-defunct Motive Ring, which I enjoyed using. It was less sophisticated than the Aura, but did everything it was supposed to do and did it well. After the Motive Ring was discontinued, Aura was basically the only game in town. Well, that's not true anymore, as companies like Ultra Human now exist, with Samsung getting ready to enter the market early next year with its Galaxy Ring. A new company called Circular has just now introduced the Circular Ring Slim, which, according to the company, is the world's thinnest and lightest health ring, weighing just 2 grams compared to Aura's 4 grams. Besides the smaller size, the circular ring slim has all the sensors that the Aura does, but also includes a haptic vibration that can be used for alarms and prompts to action. The ring is connected to Kira Plus, a new, yeah, wait for it, AI-powered conversational wellness assistant. You know, I have enough things talking at me all day, so I certainly don't need my ring joining the chorus.
I just, I guess I'm just showing my age. The Circular Ring Slim will set one back $245, and it'll start shipping in December. Now, how do you think they make this ring so light? Circular's previous ring was knocked for being clunky and made of plastic, while rings from Aura and Ultra Human were made from mostly titanium. The price is right, but you know the old adage, you get what you pay for. Yes. What's good about the Circular and the Ultra Human models is that in order to fully use the accompanying software, you don't have to pay a monthly subscription like Aura charges its users. I avoided these monthly tariffs because I'm an early Aura adopter and secured a lifetime of no subscription charges for upgrading to the third generation of the Aura Ring. You know, but that could change in the future. Ultra Human makes up for not charging for the use of its software by charging its customers a higher initial purchase price, the highest entry price of all these smart rings. The Ultra Human Ring is, uh, how can I say it, uh, inspired by Aura. Same look and the software looks the same. For now, I'll be sticking with Aura, but if my lifetime of no subscription charges is ever revoked, I'd probably be looking towards an Ultra Human offering. Have you tried out smart rings yet? From Bloomberg, Microsoft unveils its first custom-designed AI cloud chips. These new in-house chips were announced during the company's annual Ignite conference. You won't be able to buy these chips. Instead, Microsoft will let you rent them by paying for and using their services, like Azure, for example, which is a cloud computing service. This follows cloud service rivals Amazon and Google, with Amazon making their own cloud computing chips since 2015 and Google following in 2018. The Maya 100 chip is geared towards cloud computing, while the Cobalt chip is for servers. I imagine these Cobalt chips will replace Intel's Xenon chips. Uh With the recent chip announcements from Qualcomm, NVIDIA, AMD, and even MediaTek, all using the same ARM architecture, where does this leave the OG chip pioneer Intel? Well, not in a very good place in my opinion. Besides the new chips, Microsoft announced a cornucopia of AI software with most being integrated into its co-pilot suite, and this includes Bing Chat. Old Microsoft is the company leaning into AI the most, so if humanity is destroyed because of this technology, well, you know who to blame. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Check I'm using. Hey, I finally got an invite to the Blue Sky social media platform. You know, the one created by former Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey? No! Well, I checked it out and I could tell you there's not much going on within the site. I registered under the OFNT podcast moniker and after a week, I've been followed by exactly two accounts. One purporting to be a trans woman and the other a Satanist. Of course, I followed back and was pleasantly surprised that the two basically just post humorous things, and I do like their sense of humor. All of the standard mainstream media rags are present, you know, the New York Times, Washington Post, and the like, but there doesn't seem to be any independent news outfits or journalists on Blue Sky. Unfortunately, the social platform doesn't have that early Twitter vibe at all. 
It feels sort of empty. I joined Twitter in early 2007 and loved the up-to-the-minute news updates of local, national, and international stories, none of which are present on Blue Sky. So if you must use social media, I recommend you stick with Twitter, now called X, of course. Well, I was true to my word and again canceled my Office 365 subscription. I just wasn't using it. Since I've retired, I have no need for MS Word, which is standard for U.S. government offices. Besides my much-talked-about method of writing during downtime at work and being able to sync to the home with OneDrive, I would actually get some real work done on my days off, which was convenient when I was under some sort of deadline. Since then, though, I've only used Word exactly once and quickly decided to just use Apple Pages, which I find less complicated with an uncluttered user interface. I had hoped to find some work-from-home employment, which would probably require the MS suite of apps, but that just didn't happen. I'm content with using Apple's suite of productivity apps, and for my needs, I think Pages is actually superior to Word. My new Mac Mini and 27-inch LG Ultrafine monitor are working fine, and I've grown especially fond of my Logitech mechanical keyboard. It's made typing almost enjoyable compared to the old iMac's Magic Keyboard, and especially the butterfly keyboards my laptops were equipped with. I'll shortly be ordering a 15-inch MacBook Air, trading in the old Intel-powered MacBook Pro, and this will be my last computer purchase for a long time. (laughs) Hey, I'm a man of my word. Well, we'll see. I may buy myself a USB-C hub eventually. That is, if I really have a need for one. As of now, I don't. My new iPhone 15 Pro Max is fine, unspectacular as it is, so I can say I'm pretty content with most of the tech I'm using. What? Whoa! Yeah, I haven't said that in a very long time. The only problem I've had lately in regards to tech happened Friday morning. The ring camera that's mounted on the rear of my house went offline. The culprit was the TP-Link range extender, which for some reason disconnected from my Wi-Fi network. A quick reset of the extender and going through the camera setup process again fixed that issue. And no, I still haven't installed the Blink cameras I purchased a couple of weeks ago. Perhaps I'll get around to it sometime this week. Then again, why put off today when you can put off tomorrow? How dare you! Entertainment News Though it's the week before Thanksgiving holiday here, which is usually a busy time for Hollywood blockbusters, it's eerily quiet. The new Marvels movie is a massive flop, and the rebooted Hunger Games franchise's new picture seems to be well on the way to suffering the same fate. Of course, the combined writers and actors strike had a negative effect on the industry, causing the delay or outright cancellation of productions. Anyway, I seldom attend a movie in the theater these days, the last being John Wick Chapter 4. I chalked this up to being an official senior citizen and figured nothing being made these days is directed towards my demographic. With the recent catastrophic failure of big-budgeted movies, it appears the general public sort of feels the same. Not only are the subjects of these movies unappealing to me, it seems the current generation of scriptwriters have forgotten how to create a compelling story. Perhaps success has come too early for these writers who haven't had enough life experiences to craft such a story. Of course, the constant lecturing and declaring of sexuality has a lot to do with this. It seems that these writers go to great lengths to be able to insert these things, even when it has no relevance within the plot of the story. 
In my opinion, the first job of these writers is to entertain as wide of an audience as possible. You shouldn't be crafting a story for one particular subset of the public or attempt to draw an audience that just isn't there. So what's your opinion of this? As far as my recent entertainment experiences, I watched a limited series called Bodies on Netflix. I won't spoil the plot for you, but I recommend this series. The show was produced in England, London specifically, and tells a great story. I guess the writers over in England still know how to write and produce an entertaining show. I wish there were more of these British productions available to watch over here. I also find myself watching movies from the Republic of Korea, whose writers also know how to tell a great story. While stationed in that country while serving in the military, I will watch the television dramas on the local channels and despite low production budgets, well, at least back then, found them very entertaining. And this was despite no dubbed English or subtitles. If I was having trouble understanding what was taking place within the show, I'd get my Korean neighbors to watch with me and translate when needed. Other than that, most of my television viewing has been confined to YouTube. Podcast News Last week I told you of the massive memory leak I was experiencing while using Hindenburg Pro, my digital audio workstation of choice, and that I had contacted the company's support. They had gotten back to me pretty quickly, advising me that an update had addressed this issue. I can say that this seems to be the case, as I didn't experience the issue while recording my last episode. I did experience a crash, though, which seems all too common with the app lately. This might all be down to some incompatibility with certain audio plugins I use. I'm still considering other digital audio workstations, though, with Apple's expensive Logic Pro being the top contender. All in all, like my computer tech, at least when it comes to hardware, I'm pretty content. <laughs> boy. I love my Lewitt Connect 6 and haven't even really begun exploring and using all of its features, and I love the sound I get from my Electrovoice RE20 microphone, though it seems no one else notices a difference. I can hear that difference in my headphones, but the compression and processing put on by the likes of my host and podcast listening platforms must negate what I perceive as an upgrade in audio quality. Speaking of headphones, I'll probably be retiring my old Audio-Technica MH40 soon. They're the only original piece of hardware left from the beginning of this podcast. They're still great, but do get uncomfortable to wear after a while. I was tempted to purchase the new Rode NT1 Signature Edition Large Diaphragm Condenser Microphone, though. It boasts a new lower price of $159, and it was almost an impulse buy for me concerning this legendary mic. The problem is that I record in an untreated room with a lot of noise and reverb. Sure, I could use plugins to get rid of both of these things, but those types of plugins degrade the audio. When and if I relocate and manage to secure my own recording space, I'll do some sound conditioning and perhaps try out one of these new mics. Or perhaps two. The man who single-handedly destroyed the once popular Daily Show, one Mr. Trevor Noah, has finally launched his much-anticipated no! podcast. The show is called What Now with Trevor Noah? Well, I can answer the question that the title contains. It's more of the same garbage he was spouting all along. Mr. Noah ran the formerly successful Daily Show into the ground so hard that it was disbanded upon his firing. Mr. Noah is yet another foreign import seemingly brought to this country for the sole purpose of criticizing U.S. society, especially Caucasian culture. I gave the first episode a listen for as long as I could, and trust me, it wasn't very long, and it's just more of the same scripted 
narrative, he and other current late-night show hosts continued to bloviate out, despite plummeting audience numbers. The biggest criticism I have with these hosts, and especially Mr. Noah, is that they aren't entertaining and have no sense of humor, though they all come from a comedic background. Well, I'd suggest that Mr. Noah should return to his home country and try and make a difference there before telling the U.S. public how to think and act. Thank you. I predict this podcast will suffer the same fate as the Daily Show he destroyed. I hope Spotify didn't pay Trevor Noah too much money for this disaster waiting to happen. But then again, what do I really know? And no story this week or a rant. I felt like this whole episode was just one long rant anyway. Also, I don't want to get too worked up before the holiday this Thursday. That might interfere with my appetite, and we can't have that, can we? No! And of course, there's that music playing again, and we know what that means. It means that my mouth has gotten tired and is reminding me to please shut it up. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed making it for you. If you like what you heard, you can make a donation using the link in the show notes. Any and all donations will be greatly appreciated. You can always reach me at OFNTPodcast at gmail.com. And that's if you're so inclined. I'd really enjoy hearing from you. I really would. Remember, don't listen to what they say. Watch what they do. Now, if you're not going to help with the raking of leaves, then why don't you just get off my lawn? Stay skeptical. I'm out. See ya. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.